1: You know, Mother Nature. You know, when you have money, Mother Nature really doesn't care, right? Because <laughs> I go home and I go, yeah, I'll get on the phone. Excuse me, I need a, I need a queen bee, please, over here, right away. And they're like, <laughs> they're like yeah, well, every, all our queen bees, you know, they're they're gone. Well, where the hell do they go? You know, tell them I'll offer them more. Don't they know who they're talking? Yeah, to? yeah, I'll offer Don't the queen bee I more right now.
2: Hey, this is Rachel Bellow. And I'm Suzanne Mewshin, and you're listening to The Big Payoff, where we reveal the secrets to surviving and thriving in the workplace. So, Rachel, today we're talking about The Power of Broke, which is a concept coined by Damon John. You probably know him from Shark Tank. I should say we actually have him here in the studio. We're not just going to be talking about his concept as if it were our own. Um, but I met Damon, and I had the privilege of interviewing him. And when I was doing my homework On Damon, I know a lot of people want to talk about Shark Tank, but I found The Power of Broke, read The Power of Broke, and it blew me away. And to be honest, that became more interesting to me than some of the kind of standard questions about Shark Tank. Yeah, but for the Shark Tank addicts out there, we got your crack. We're going
3: to get to Shark Tank and dish on that at the end. At the end. But first, we're going to talk about The Power of Broke. So for those of you who've maybe been asleep under a rock and don't know who Damon John is, he is the people shark on Shark Tank. He's the founder of a company called FUBU, which stands for For Us, By Us. He founded that in 1992 with very little money, which is appropriate because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And by 2009, it was worth $200 million. He joined Shark Tank in 2009. He's invested real money. He's lost money. He's made money. And his most recent book, which we're going to talk about today, is a collection of essays called The Power of Broke, which is a great concept. It's really about being scrappy, staying scrappy. When I read The Power of Broke, here's The quote about Power of Broke that – well, in the Power of Broke that stopped me in my tracks, okay? It kind of summarizes at least one big point in the book for me. So here's what Damon says. Broke on its own is broke. If you let broke beat you down, if you let it break you, you'll never find a way to thrive or even survive. You'll never lift yourself up and out and on to great things. But if you look broke in the face – If you define it, own it, make it a part of who you are and how you go about your business, well, then you've got something, people. And I read that, and I just thought, I was in a plane, and I sat back and I thought, that's a deeply subversive message. It It is subversive. Not just
2: in business, in everything. It's deep. It, It shamed me a bit, because there was a whole time, Rachel, in our business where I was so focused on revenue and money. That if you remember, I had our CFO, I had a whiteboard in front of my desk, and I just had our CFO tell me, how much money do I need to yeah, get? Yeah, you were like a dog sled because driver. I were. I, no, actually,
3: you were the dog. You weren't the driver. That's mean. And you just went out and got that revenue. And, I, and, and yes. you know what the result was, Suzanne? What was the result? i I'm was embarrassed. The top line yeah. went up and up and up. We never became more
2: profitable because we were paying attention to the money, money, to the money. as the money and not more so than that. Let me just get transparent here. I remember that the revenue goal that I was supposed to hit was like 1.2 yeah. million. And when I hit it, the CFO came back and said, "Oh, do you know yes, what?" Yes, I do. "What's the profit on what's that?" What's the profit on that? Like 80,000. You How, cried. You cried. I was like, "How is that possible for an entire company? How's that possible?" So anyway, I learned a lot from The Power of Broke. Um, I learned a lot when I talked to Damon and we're going to share All the good stuff with you in just a minute when we come back talking to Damon John. Damon John, welcome to The Big Payoff.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we're glad to have you here. So we were talking about the power of broke. Yeah. And we have a burning question, maybe unrelated, but it's burning. Sure. What's up with the
1: bees? The bees save the bees. What what, what, is, what is that? Going
3: on? We didn't know that you had a fascination with bees. I
1: have it. a fascination with bees. I was uh, I was on Shark Tank, and a gentleman comes and pitches something called um, bee. I forgot bee living beehive bee something. Bees, yeah, right. bees. I swear to you, bee was in it. In it. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> they were really cool uh, uh, beehives, and um, I said, you know, the business was the model. Was okay, but the numbers horrible. wasn't investable, not to me, as far as I'm concerned. But I said I like that. Beehive looks cool. Give it to me. Uh, I have a couple hundred acres uh, upstate in New York. I'm gonna go set up a beehive, no problem. I buy it buy it right off the show.
3: But but why? What like what? Well, you
1: uh, you know what? Good question. So he says to us, you know, if the, you know, he explains about how bees pollinate and how they're vital to, uh, you know, to us, and that if about four years after, if the bee goes away four years, we'll all be dead. Colony oh. collapse. Maybe that's 10 years, maybe that's 20 years, but off that little bee, and I always I say to myself, wait a minute, these are the little things that I, I hit on the <laughs> right. picnic table all the time and kill. And I felt smash. horrible. I felt horrible knowing mm-hmm. that the honeybee that I was doing that to them, so I said, that would be cool and then i started to look into them and i started to see how they act in their communities and whatever the case is i said all right i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to make a couple of you know put up a couple of hives well you know mother nature you know when you have money mother nature really doesn't care right <laughs> cuz i go home and i go yeah I'll get on the phone excuse me i need a i need a queen bee please over here right away and they're like <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, all our queen bees, you know, they're, they're gone. Well, where the hell do they go? You know, right. tell them I'll offer them more. Don't they know who they're talking yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. I'll offer Don't the queen bee more right now. Mother Nature somehow doesn't care. So I went around uh, in North Carolina in various places that I was visiting. You know, my kids live in North Carolina and other places I said, I'll find them. Couldn't find it at all. All of a sudden, I now, now it's a challenge.
3: You can't find queen bees? No, I
1: mean, there's not a club that they go hang out at. I went to Starbucks. <laughs> they weren't around. So then I find uh, the guy in my neighborhood, and then he comes over and says, yeah, I'll set him up. And he starts to set up these beehives, and they're fascinating. I start to look at them, and I start to stand close and think, I'm going to get stung. I'm not getting stung. I start to Did see- that why, why are you yeah. not getting stung? Because they couldn't care less. Because they couldn't care less about me. They were busy pollinating, and when a bee stings you, it gives its life. Oh, so the last goodness. thing it's trying to do is sting you. Right, and then when it does sting you, it, it it basically goes back to the hive and it gives the direction to Whoa. to the rest of the bees on who it stung, and then the stinger has a smell in it, and the bees can come and sting you. That's Wait, the difference. This between... is
3: deep, you yeah. guys. I see not a reality show, an animation film <laughs> for sure. Of course, right? Of course. You know,
2: you Damon can narrate it.
1: I can. Well, you know what everybody's getting for Christmas now, right? What? Honey. Oh, a hive? Oh, oh honey. That's oh, so That's sweet. really exciting, Danny.
2: Can I just say, I learned a lot.
1: Well, thank you. No, thank
2: you. Thank you. So do you, do you actually love bees now? Or
3: you? I
1: love them. Mm-hmm.
2: Let's talk about the power of broke.
3: So, you know, people would look at you in your day job and when we see you on television, we see beautiful clothes, and you're polished, and you just look affluent. And, of course, we know that that's not how it started out. We know that from the book. That's not how it started out. And so one question I have for you is if you were to think back on that period of your life where broke was a real thing, what's a story or what's a memory for you that sort of captures just how broke you were?
1: It would either be, you know, at certain times it would be, you know, first of all, I have enough money coming to maybe pay the mortgage, but, you know, maintain the house and electricity and things of that nature. I may not have had it even though I was working at the same time. And, um, you know, at that time I would have to really think about what I was going to eat for the week, you know, you had to pack, pack hey, enough food, bro. whatever the case is. And fortunate mm-hmm. enough at that time I was a messenger at, at, um, at First Boston uh, Venture Company. And as a foot messenger, if you get uh, if you get a trip that's over ten blocks, you get two dollars a dollar to take the yeah. subway there, a dollar to take the subway back.
3: That's when the subway was a dollar.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there was a place, it's still a place in Manhattan, and the hot dogs was called Grace's Papaya, and the hot dogs were My fifty favorite. cents, seventy
3: seconds.
1: So I would be able to get three hot dogs. Uh, so I would have three hot dogs, for, uh, three hot dogs, and some juice. So I would have that for breakfast, and then I'd make sure I get a trip that takes long enough like that for lunch and then i would ask them to give me my final trip would be a wow, trip that's like that's broke
3: that. thinking wow that's that's yeah. that's a, that's broke that's broke <laughs> was that an epiphany you actually had in the moment or is it something you look back on now and go you know what i claimed my brokenness i made something of it
1: um you know i started to really claim my brokenness when i was in my early 20s uh, i i was like everybody else i thought uh, well, not everybody else, but I had this plan on uh, you know, how I was going to be a millionaire by 22. I was too smart to go to college, of course, uh, um, and I was laughing at all the geeks that I considered sure. who went to college. Um, and then when I, I took a year off, that year became five years. So now I'm 22 years old working at Red Lobster, and I managed to always make sure that I worked in the food industry so I could feed myself because I realized food is about 15% of your, your annual expenses. I had this whole plan. I was going to buy crash cars, sell crash cars, and make money. I was going to buy my three thousand dollars and then fix them up put two thousand dollars and then I was going to sell them for ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And if I sell two this month and then you know it starts to compound to three, four, I was going to be a millionaire by twenty-two. So anyway, um, you know, I, I love saying that Mike Tyson always has a saying. You know that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> I, I got, got punched Mike in the Tyson. face pretty early, and life. Did you me sell in the face. one? No. <laughs> I used that myself, that car. It was it was okay, um, and that was it. I was a waiter at Red Lobster, and all the kids I was laughing at who went to school were yeah. coming back now, and I was their waiter, Oof. and I was embarrassed. And I started to think about what am I doing? What assets do I have that I'm tapping into? Because I'm, I'm, I'm better than this, but you know I got to put my ego aside. I'm broke. Yeah. Right. Um, And that's when I really, really embraced it right around 20, 22 years old.
3: So that means what? Embracing it.
1: That means saying, you know what? You're not as smart as you think. When are you going to get off your butt? And the reason why you're where you are is because you didn't try yet. You can't say you left everything on the field. You can't give me any excuses. It ain't because you didn't do this. It ain't Oh, the economy changed. I don't have a famous last name. My fr- none of that crap. It's totally up to you because nobody else is gonna help you.
2: So Damon, what do you do with the fear? You know, there's so much wrapped up in the power of broke that's about yeah. getting beyond that, that fear factor. Yeah. So what did, what do you tell people? How do you get past that and feel somehow empowered rather than terrified?
1: You know, I think the empowerment that, that I felt, and it's very hard to tell people what's going to drive them, but what is really what drives you? Is it, you know, is it the fact that you know you're challenging yourself? Is it that your wife or husband... Are supportive. They're not supportive. Which one is it? What are the, what is your your motivation behind it? Um, and I usually, you know, I, I you know, after reading uh, Think and Grow Rich the first time when I was sixteen years old uh, by Napoleon Hill, I started goal setting, and I started writing down these goals. Uh, seven of them would expire in six months, and then two would expire in five years. One would expire in twenty years, and they would range from health to faith to family and to business. And I noticed, as I started reading these goals every single night before I went to bed and every morning when i wake- wake up, they would start I would start getting closer to the goals. they would all expire, let's say in six months, but then I would have this kind of anxiety when that six months comes around, I had to reset them, yeah. but I started yeah. to uh it started to kind of manifest you become what you think about most sure. of the time, whether we like it or not good or bad, good or bad right um and prior to that, I was setting other goals for myself, and I didn't realize what the goals were I was setting. I was setting. I'm not going to get that education. People in my neighborhood die or in jail before they are 21. I've never seen somebody like me on television or I've never seen somebody like me make it. You were
3: polluting your own mind. I was was
1: setting negative goals. Yeah. Right. And I was letting people set negative goals around me, too. I was letting people say, you can't do that. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to embarrass us. It's a story. It is.
2: And you're sticking to the story. And then to some extent, the story just plays out. Absolutely. So it's not like you don't have the fear. It's that you're.
3: Your, your mental real estate is being occupied by positive goals and the fear takes up a
1: smaller part. Correct. Because when you have the fear and then you meet people who have that same fear or who will echo that fear, you start to believe them. Because most people are going to tell you you know, no and you can't do it. And it, it's funny. I just saw – I was over at a Global Entrepreneur Summit and I saw the president uh, interview Mark Zuckerberg. And the thing I took away from Mark Zuckerberg was he still hears no he's heard he heard no he couldn't get it out of uh ivy league schools then he heard no it's moving from we're moving from a computer based platform to mobile why would anybody run around looking at their facebook no you can't get over to these countries and then i you know it, it, that really punctuated the fact that i've heard no from everybody yeah everybody i've heard no including from including yourself yeah including myself mm-hmm. at some points and then i had to start depending on myself and doing real I don't want this to be a you know rah rah hooray you can do it. I I had to do real analytics on why things are working why things are not for me and um and keep going through with it.
3: Right, broke is a is a is a form of no, and if you believe it, then you're it.
1: Yeah, my and friend Champs it. says broke is temporary poverty in the mind is permanent. You know, you just you put your own chains on yourself.
3: So then if it's a mindset, and it makes a huge amount of sense. When we read this, it was like, right. It, it really actually isn't about the actual money. It's a mindset. So you've got cushion. Uh, you're, you're not broke in the literal sense. How do you – What is it once you have that mindset, you, you never lose it? Like if, if I'm reading this book and I have money – Which is not the case. But let's just say (laughs) I have money and I'm reading your book and I go, God, you're right. I really need to get that mindset. But I've got – I've had the wrong mindset. But meanwhile, I have this cushion. Like my parents are funding me. I'm a trust fund baby or whatever. Again, this is not true. Um, How do I manufacture that mindset when it's not in reality true?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, I think – the first person to sell is yourself. You know, be very transparent on what you're doing, why you feel that you're not where you want to be, if you aren't where you want to be, and what's going to make you happy. Is it money going to make you happy? Is it notoriety? Is it uh, doing something very charitable and stopping human trafficking, whatever it may be? Um, I, you stopping
2: know, it, bee abuse,
3: I think. Exactly.
1: exactly. That's,
2: that's that's Damon's new cause. That's
1: my, that is my new cause. I know it. Um, and then, you know, all right, so I was broke. I went and then I had I had a sufficient amount of money but then I thought that that money was I made it and then my biggest mistake was when I spent 6 million dollars mm. on a company that I acquired because I thought I don't need to know the advertising I don't need to know marketing I don't need to know the customer I'm going to hire all these great people and when you hire a bunch of great salespeople and marketing people, the pe- the person that they're selling and marketing to is you about how great sure. their job you're doing. And I turned around and $6 million were gone. Ouch. Then I started to realize that I need to bust my butt and get back in there. And I started to think, you know what? I don't type into my relationship capital anymore. I remember I used to go to the magic show. I used to be there the day before the trade show in Vegas. I used to be there the day before. I used to get there early and set up the booth. I used to break down the booth. I used to meet every single customer, write them a handwritten note, and follow up them. Now, I get there a day after the show. I go to a nice, fluffy dinner at night, right? and I say, eh, what kind of orders came in? Eh, we'll see it back in New York. I take a vacation yeah. the week after, and I wonder why my business is down or it's not growing. Yeah. And every single buyer that I had that started in the business 20 years ago, I don't call them anymore. Even though they're now the CEOs, I don't call them anymore. I let my salespeople talk to theirs. People so you have your people call my people. I don't even tap into my relationship capital and say, thank you. You've been doing business with me for 20 years, and by the way, Sarah or Todd or whatever is a great person. They're talking to my people. I, I didn't take one hour out of my week to call and tap into my relationship capital. Or I didn't look at my numbers. I didn't look Who's ordering car services all the time and sending out every FedEx one next day when it could be uh, ground and the paper cabinets? Everybody's taking paper out of there for their kids' schoolwork at home and looking at the fine numbers. I just was walking around taking it easy.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I had a mentor once who said to me the biggest danger of success is getting a note on the refrigerator complex which is you got a lot of money you hire people like you're cleaning person you put a note on the refrigerator saying make sure the kitchen's clean and make the beds and stuff and you have you lose all recognition of what it actually takes to do that right
1: exactly and and during that time and unfortunately at that time It's not a week, a month. You learn the lesson three years, four years in when you turn around Mm -hmm. and your business has been declining 10 percent every year. Your quality employees are leaving. You're overpaying for bad employees and you're not changing with the time. And there's a younger, hungrier Damon John just coming up, you know, and eating your lunch. So do you
3: remind yourself of this all the time or are you like reminding yourself fairly regularly?
1: i I keep very, very hungry people around me. Yes, I'm reminding myself all the time, and the, okay, there is a thin line because I think that one of the biggest questions we all have is how do you manage family time and then work because that can you can also drive yourself to the grave trying to look at this. so that is always my constant battle. My constant battle is not hunger. it's how to manage the time because what are we working for? are we working for family? you know, and aren't we working for our health and if our health declines then none of it so there there is the biggest challenge that I fight every single day. Well,
2: And I want to end this segment by talking about the mindset that every cent matters. And I remember there was a Shark Tank episode. I think Barbara made the investment in a swimsuit company. Mm-hmm. And she gave them $50,000. Mm-hmm. And they went and spent that 50000 on a party. Yeah. Instead of spending the 50000 getting their website optimized so that right. when... They appeared on the Shark Tank. They could actually monetize sure. on that investment. Yeah, and I remember Barbara was furious, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was such a great example of it, it isn't about just having the money. Yeah. it's about understanding that that was a precious, precious check. You blew it. And you blew it. Yeah,
1: and and you know what happens with that? If you get it in a lump sum, you can. They could have used it. In the wrong way for all the right things too. I mean they didn't believe that the party was purely to right. party. But they could have spent fifty thousand on the website as well instead of we've all been there when somebody told sure. us something's gonna be twenty, thirty, forty thousand yeah. and it's really three. Or we just go and learn ourselves, or when somebody says, Oh, you gotta get a patent lawyer to this and that well uh, I don't have any money, it's fifty thousand dollars. Maybe I should do like our parents told us sit my butt in the library for the next 3 months which is what you would have done if you were broke exactly because i would have if it was $50,000 and i save fifty thousand, I just made $50,000 right. cuz when i'm working right. for 25,000 at McDonald's and then at night time i just save 50,000 i really made 75,000 that year because i didn't spend it you know
3: it. The, the lesson here seems to be and i wish i had told my kids this it's way too late is <laughs> is that Money isn't there to get you out of the work. It's so that the work has something to leverage.
1: Well, it all depends, you know, because I, I have a firm belief you've got you to put something in your pocket because there's always going to be a bill.
3: Right. You know, right? I always wonder this about Shark Tank, Damon, this issue of um, – and I've seen it asked occasionally, not regularly – are you paying yourself – like yeah. you say to the entrepreneurs, are you yeah. paying yourself how much? Yeah. Is there a right answer to that or or are you really looking for like where are you in the business? And-
1: There's not necessarily a right answer for it. You know, Mark Cuban, you know, he has this theory. He wants you on the business 24 hours a right. day. Right. Yeah, but you know what? You know, if, if you've been told, you know, burn all bridges and go right there and, and start your business. But if you have a $50,000 job that's keeping the lights on and you – no, right. don't do that. Put in eight hours a day on the job and put in five hours a day on the company. And right. when the company starts to grow, right. then I said, because you're already now $40,000 uh, in, in the black, right. I mean, yeah. in the red. Right. So I think there's it, it, the only time we ask if you're paying yourself, you say, I made $300,000. I grossed 300000 and the profit was forty. Are you paying yourself? No. Well, there's no profit.
2: OK, this is a good transition to coming back in just a minute and let's get into a couple of the questions just a couple about the behind the scenes at shark tank sure okay we'll be back in just a minute okay our listeners are going to want to at least get a couple questions out of it. We need to deal the crack. Of course. Let's deal the The shark crack. crack. The shark crack. <laughs> the shark crack. Okay. So the biggest question that we have, and look, I am, maybe, I'm going to just say this up front. It is my life's goal to be on Survivor. Okay. No. <laughs> I am such a junkie, I can't even. Yeah. I, I, that's a whole other show.
0: Right.
2: Mark Burnett is, yeah, yes, Suzanne, it is a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Point being, I am a firm believer that that is a real show, that those guys are really hungry and they are really, really in pain out
1: there. I think so.
2: Okay, The question for you is, how real is Shark Tank? You know, there's a lot of people who might think or might say, you know, well, those guys had all this information up front and read all this stuff and did the whole, you know, due diligence. There are all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yeah. What's what? aren't we seeing? Is there something big out there that makes it produced?
1: Yes. Uh, You are seeing a small... It's actually more real than what you see because we do not have a piece of paper. We know absolutely nothing.
3: Really? When they walk in
2: there, you know
1: nothing? Well, you see
2: the thing, whatever
3: they put in the room. No, because
1: sometimes... I even sent out a tweet about it when we were shooting last month where they'll put up the... The blinders, yeah. or whatever oh. the case is, then they'll move it, and then you won't know what it is. Oh, that's good, you know? you know. And then sometimes they see it. You see it, and they turn around like a lazy susan. Sometimes yeah. they show what it is, so you know you don't know what it is. And they walk down the aisle, and huh. the only thing the producers say to us is their names. This is so forth, and this is so forth. This is Scott and Tom, and good luck. Bye.
3: Okay, well then that whole conspiracy theory is wrong. Yeah, because I've read that it's like you guys deal with it. You have money in to begin with, and. Well, I, I
2: thought that they, I, we, sometimes you guys are looking at a piece of paper, and I always thought you had like a summary sheet.
1: No, our, our piece of paper is the last deal that went through. They Scott got Tom 20% in the questions I want to ask them, and I'm going to my next sheet of paper. But you think about it, you know, Shark Tank, we, we see 200 people a season, right. a season, basically we shoot over the course of 17, 18 days to maybe 20 days, and we see 10 people a day. They average out about an hour, but it can last as long as two and a half hours for a pitch. You only see eight right. minutes of it. Right. Um We do everything is in best uh, efforts to close. Wait, 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 wait.
2: Eight. Yes. Yeah.
3: So if you see, they've you said eight it. people a day. I know.
1: Oh. Eight to ten. We average out an hour. And, yeah. So that's so, a
3: long day.
1: Oh yeah, I'm up at five. I do. We we do makeup touch ups around six or seven. We're on camera from nine to around, it could be 7, 8 o'clock, we have, the Sharks have a half an hour, an hour lunch. That's it. Um, so that's why we're Always usually... Always
2: psyched when the food comes in from the... <laughs> I know, I watch <laughs> Yeah, that's why
1: we're usually like, right. all right, we're yeah. about to eat. Right. So, um, and it takes us anywhere from three to six months to nine months to close the deals afterwards because that's when we start going through our due diligence. Okay. Um, the first year, the deals were closed at about 30% of what you saw uh, aired. Yeah. Then... 40, 50, yeah, you're getting seven, better. every right. year because you've got to think, the casting agents year one were casting agents. Yeah. They weren't you know like us who have been business people. So right. somebody came in, I always say they said to the casting agent, I do $30 million worth of business. I have one employee. The casting agent doesn't say, so you're a drug dealer, <laughs> right? Now they know how to say that. You're because, a beekeeper. Exactly. Right. Of course. Of course.
2: Uh, okay, that's super good to know.
1: And but, it's so, our but, money. but
2: but you but now there that, has to right,
3: be a lot of know. There have to be a lot of no's in order to make it dramatic. I would I don't want the ratio of yes to be no's to be so skewed that it's like, well, it's always a yes.
1: Yeah, but as the as the as the years have been going on and the uh, cast casting directors are better We've been saying yes to way more
2: because they're right that
1: because makes we like it, yeah. and then also we know if it's you know a certain product and it airs, we know there at least we're going to get a certain amount of money. And the entrepreneur are great.
3: So, do you see this, Damon? And do the did the investors see the sharks? Excuse me. See this as a, a genuine investment opportunity for you?
1: Absolutely. Uh huh. One hundred and twenty well, percent.
2: And the entertainment piece. Over the years, you guys have gotten better. I think on camera, everybody seems a little more relaxed. You know each other. There's more rapport. But I'm wondering, you're talking about real money. I mean, this is a serious. To Rachel's point, you're in a deal brain, but you need to entertain. Are the producers coming in there and saying, "Hey, can you you guys guys redo that that scene?"
1: There's no retakes, no nothing. Uh, Because you know, auto no fake fighting. No, not at all. Because you think about it. So there's 16 cameras shooting us at one time uh-huh. so one hour of an episode is 16 out uh, one hour of a pitch is 16 hours of editing that they have to look through they right can, so that's the key they Suzanne can come up with eight minutes editing
2: well that's survivor yeah. also can we not talk that's about also this show please. no we're not talking about
1: survivor. but you know where they you know where they are skilled at hmm. they somehow break down the pitch almost exactly like it went and out and the way that it went up and down and curved, whatever the case is, and then ended, right? right before it goes to commercial, they put on a nice oh, yeah, we know that. belly dropping doom.
2: Yeah. Okay, Damon. So we feel compelled to talk about an episode that's been billed on YouTube as the biggest fight that's ever taken place on Shark Tank. So we want to play that and then actually get your behind-the-scenes story of what was really going on there. So this occurred when a young man came to pitch an app called Scali, and things got a little testy. Let's take a listen.
1: I want to be part of this. It's really a personal matter. I started working at 10 years old, and uh, I was raised by a single mother. When I got to about the age of 17 years old, I wanted to go to college, but I had to work because I saw her working three jobs and there was no food on the table. I resonate with this. Okay, Lori and I are gonna go in 50-50 partners. That's 20,000 from her, 20,000 from me for 15% of your company.
0: We are not the charity tank. No, we're we not are not here the to charity give it up. tank. That's not charity, Rob. But Robert. you know
1: what? That's not charity. Really? How does that work?
0: How are you going to grow that business? What's the execution plan? You know what
1: we're going to
3: do? We're
0: going we're gonna to grow, grow the business. Trust me, people, people. What? We're going to figure get it, it out? Yes, we're going to figure it out. America, come That's to the right. tank.
1: We're going to give you money. Oh, you didn't right. invest in anybody else who's going to figure it out. What are you talking about? You bet on the person.
2: I remember watching that. Yeah, it did not feel staged then. It doesn't when I hear it back. Right. Feel in any way? What goes on then? So they walk out, and then were the cameras still rolling?
1: The cameras still roll, I guess, or not. We don't. We don't. Th- when you're there, and now going on our eighth year, and the cameras sitting, you're sitting in those chairs. We not. We don't. We don't think about it. Okay. Um, and I think we all had a different. We had a di- We all look at business differently. Here's what I saw: a young man that came up there. Number one, I resonated with him, and I think that most America could resonate with all the parents out there saying, we don't have money to send our kids to school, and where are scholarships? Can you make it a simpler way? I can find gluten-free anywhere in this city. I can find a car. Absolutely. Where can I find a scholarship? So number one was that. But number two, he had a proof of concept because he had already had downloads. So if he already had downloads, and we know there's a database of a market uh, market of people who want it and a database of scholarships, now all of a sudden this is going to air on TV. He's a good kid. He also had 1.2 million scholarships himself. So not only did he show people where to get this, have downloads, he was a proof of concept. That's all I needed to hear at that point.
2: Has you already figured out the power of broke? Was that a, a mantra already when you were- That's
1: it. That's been for a long time okay, of mine. Okay, because
2: he seems like the- Power
1: perf- of broke. Power of broke, right? Power of broke. So that's how I sit. Now, Robert is too close to it because Robert is in technology. Yeah. And that is where my ignorance is because I'm saying, okay, you gotten this far with nothing. If you need a couple more dollars, you can get somewhere. Robert didn't feel that way. I've been the same way when Robert has went and invested in apparel companies. That I said, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah. So I'm I'm okay to be naive, but at least I wasn't going. Oh, poor old kid. Here you go. Right. right. And he's done well after that. He's actually. Well, that's
3: you know, what I wanted to know. How, how he's has he
1: done, done well, and then I'll tell you where he activates the power broke even more. Yeah. He still goes to pitch competitions and wins seventy five thousand dollars here, twenty thousand dollars here, fifty thousand dollars here. So he doesn't have to come back to his investors to ask for more money.
2: Good for him. So the company's still going. The
1: company's still going.
2: All right. I love it. Gotta get me
1: one of those scholarships.
2: Scally. How would they find is it just Scally
1: Scali- <findings> Scally.com. It's a Scally app. It's Scott. Schwe- oh, right, S C H O L L Y. Great
2: idea. Okay. Damon John. Thank you.
1: This thank you, Ben. Fun me.
2: and and enlightening. And enlightening. Rachel and I have now become big evangelists for your book. Well, thank you. No, thank you. Um if people want to get the book, I assume they just go on to Amazon. Yeah. Um,
1: the- Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. I've been going around the country. If I'm in a city, I, I will go and set up a book sign in Barnes and Nobles um, and many bookstores. But you can get a free chapter if you text the shark to four four two two two.
2: And I, when I did that, I now also get videos and other things sent yes. from you, right? And
1: videos and other content as well.
2: Okay. So the shark, no space.
1: Yeah, the shark four four two two two.
2: There are times when we have guests on the show where. There, it's like we need a moment. And I feel like I need a... I'm being serious. Okay. I feel like I need a moment. There was a lot to take in. So we are going to take a moment and then just come back. And Rachel, I'm going to ask you what you thought the big payoff was for you from the show. Okay? We'll be back in just a minute. I'm <laughs> a So, Rachel, what was your big insight, the big payoff for you from listening to Damon? Um, Well, maybe it was because Damon
3: talked about having a farm upstate. But here's how I began to think of that as kind of a metaphor of like, You know, if you think about growing a company like being a farmer, if you think about it as that direct relationship to your soil, to your land, the idea that no matter how much money you get, you got to be touching the soil in some way every day. You think that making money gets you out of doing that? If you really want that stuff to flourish, if you want to feel your company, and un- you got to be in there in some way. We're not saying you have to do, or Damon's not saying, you have to do all the jobs all the time. But if you're not, t- even you hear it from Warren Buffett, you hear it from everybody. They're doing some part of the work themselves. They're feeling the market. Right. He's calling his That's best I customer.
2: To, I used to love the show Undercover Boss because I felt like it really gave the boss a chance to go in and see what was actually going on with the company. And the further
3: away you get from that, money
2: can cushion you, the further away you get from your own business. So that was my big payoff is when Damon was talking about how his people were talking to their people. And at some point, it just became, you know, very arm's length. And it's not just about you losing touch with the business and the pieces of the business that might really need your attention, it's your whole mindset becomes you've gone too far up in altitude. And although I think that's everybody's dream, like, oh, the company will just run itself and I'll make money in my sleep, that's where I think the big mistake is. You will not make money in your sleep. You will never make money in your sleep. That's not a, as a, from a mindset point of view. Unless you're
3: dreaming, but then you wake up
2: and then you apologize. You're sorry. It was great to have Damon on the show. We'll see you next time on The Big Payoff.
3: If you like what you heard, you can find us at BigPayoffRadio.com, on iTunes, on the ACAST app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please rate and review us. It matters.